Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. Hey everybody. The arcade was my church. I thought I was it's that time again. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. This is Todd Mitchell here, and I just spilled coffee everywhere all over my office uh, just a few moments ago. I came in from the weight room where I was, you know, trying to get back into the workouts and stuff. I took some coffee in with me because I don't really like like pre-workout and post-workout and all that stuff. Just give me some coffee, some caffeine, and get me through it. But then I came in and pulled the cup weird, and it exploded. So anyway, I was in better spirits until that happened. But that's fine. I got one sock on, half my shorts are soaked, no problem. So we got some technical talk tonight because the topic came up of uh, prototyping a new game and and the process of creating a prototype for a game to uh, show around. And we'll talk about what to do with it. But this is something people were interested in on Twitter. Uh, It's something I've written about a code, right? Play already, but you wouldn't really know because um, the, the post I wrote was titled something like Trello, this or that I can link to it in the show notes for the purpose of this discussion. We will define prototyping as portion of a game that you can show to sort of play test and decide if you want to carry on with it. So We'll talk about my process. This is not by any means the definitive process or the best process. It's it's sort of the start of a conversation I want to have with people because everybody uses different tools. Everybody wants to make different kinds of things. So processes are going to vary. Maybe you'll hear this and you won't even agree with it. For my own purposes, I would still love to talk about it. Like I love discussing this stuff because I think process is important whether you're on a big team or not. Um, there, there are things you need to pull into your process, even if you're just one person or just a few people making money, not making money, whatever it is, you need to have sort of some tried and true methods to ensure best results. I mean, you want to get the most out of your time, the most out of your investment. So I'm going to tell you what I've done in the past, what's worked well for me. And I've been a professional software developer for a long time, over a decade. You know, newer people can, can gain a lot from this type of talk and, uh, very experienced people just like to trade strategies and trade thoughts on this stuff. So I'm going to go through mine. Tell me yours. Tell me what you do in a similar process that I just didn't capture. I mean, it's hard to capture a whole project and distill it down to bullet points, but uh, we're going to go through all the major stuff. So when I am starting a brand new project and I say, you know, I want to make a prototype, play test it, see if there's something I want to do. One step that you might include or might not is the design document. And this is, an, this is sort of a point of contention because the question is like, if you're on a small team, if you're just one person, do you even do a design document? Uh, I say it depends a lot on the situation. I'm a big believer in design documents. I have a very popular template for a design document on uh, Itch, which gets a lot of downloads and a lot of people have uh, reached out to me about it. Um, I, I think I know what goes into a decent design document, but... If you're doing like a jam project, obviously you're probably not going to do one. If um, if you're doing multiple prototypes and you just want to whip a couple of very simple things together and decide what to focus on, you might not do a big one. And if if you're sort of iffy about the project in the first place, you, you might just go into like, I guess what I would call exploratory development. You know what I mean? Just iterative steps to determine whether or not you want to go any further and you stop whenever you're done. 
I think in a project like that, you should eventually do a design document, but I won't dwell on that here because you kind of have to decide for yourself if that's right. The best thing about a design document, even if you're just one person or you're just on a small team, it gets you thinking about the details that are going to make up the project and not just the cool little glimpses of it you have in your head. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You think about a new project and think, wouldn't it be cool if you had this game where you're like blasting stuff, picking up weapons and flinging stuff and you could do all these cool things against the bosses and, and whatever. But a lot of difficult questions have to be answered in a project like that or they will kill that project because you didn't think about it in time or, you know, yeah, you didn't see far enough into the future. A design document can go a long way to help you avoid some of that. So it's it's worth taking seriously and it's worth thinking very hard about. But other than that, not going to dwell on that. You're either going to do one or you're not. It's going to be the first thing if you don't decide to just pick one up later on. So the first thing I, I would go into detail about here is setting the right scope. If you're newer and you don't know what scope means in this context, scope means what your prototype is going to include. You kind of have to think about what a prototype should include in any situation and in this individual instance. I believe a good prototype includes all or like most of the important mechanics of a game so that uh, you have a good representation of what the end product is going to be. I think it should have a pretty good representation of the style you want to capture with your game. Like maybe you want to make a black and white action platformer or, you know, maybe you want to make something bright and neon colors and, and crazy cool graphics and all this stuff. Like it needs to be a pretty good match for what you want it to look like eventually. So good representation of style, a compelling scenario. It shouldn't just be, you know, I don't think a good prototype is one where a character just walks around a a blank room, does the bare essential interaction with objects and stuff. I don't think that's a good way to determine whether you have a potential winner on your hands or not. The prototype needs to, help you and help others determine whether this game could be fun and whether it's something you want to spend a ton of time on to sort of help you root out questions and feedback before an actual launch, which is like, you know, where money is on the line and your reputation is on the line. Think of it as that opportunity you might have to like take an exam to your teacher and go like, I wasn't sure about this one thing. Like, did I at least read the question right? You don't have to tell me if I for sure had it right, but like have someone look over something to make sure you're not doing anything obviously stupid. You should think of it kind of like that or uh, a chance to take an essay to a teacher before, you know, midterms or however you want to look at it. This is your your sort of cheat chance. Take advantage of it. Show it around. Make sure (laughs) make sure it's not an obvious uh, fail. So with the scope in mind of what you want your prototype to be. You break down the action items. You you figure out the actual steps that are going to lead you to a completed prototype. So, you know, we need software that does the following. Like, we need a Unity project that does the following. I have an animated character that can run, you know, across the screen. Or I have uh, blocks that fall from the ceiling. You know, you have to figure out those little pieces that have to be created so you can put that puzzle together and you have your prototype. To do this, I personally love Trello. You need to basically organize your work items that are going to uh, take you to the finish line, right? So at least this is what I do. I I work from a task board, even if I'm doing this completely alone. And there are a few reasons for that. Uh, The big one is I think of it as basically a big to-do list. 
and I know the things that I need to get done before this thing is complete. And that way I can add things to the list. I know what I'm working on at a given time. You know, it doesn't have to be a big team thing. If I'm doing something alone, I will still usually set up some kind of task board and Trello allows me to do that pretty well. It's sort of Kanban based, uh, K-A-N-B-A-N, if you're not familiar with that. It's just a system where you have items to do, items you're doing, and things you are done with. And you can think of those as columns in a, in a graph and things just move from one column to the next as they get done. But yeah, when I'm when I'm planning a prototype, I will work directly in Trello to just one right after another in the to-do column. I will just list things I know I'm going to have to do. This feature, that feature, this thing needs to do this. This is a problem I'm going to have to solve. And I just go down the list after that. I just one right after another. That's how I work. So uh, break down your action items however you want. At this point, you've basically got your plan in place. So you, you are ready to start working. The next thing I normally do is set up directories, start my project and whatever uh, tool suite. Right now I'm using Unity. I will have whatever version of Blender and GIMP and whatever else I want to use ready to go. I will I will set up a project which has its own directory and then I'll make a separate directory for assets. So like images, sound files, stuff like that because you should never work out of the asset directory in your actual Unity folder, like there's a subfolder for assets, you should never work out. You should never work out of that folder. <laughs> Terrible things can happen. You can delete stuff you didn't mean to delete. It's it, it, it's a bad thing, believe me. So I do that and I start a repository. So this is a source control public service announcement. I have to do it. We've done it on the podcast before. If you're not a source control person. Basically, no matter how you work, no matter what kind of projects you work on, what tools, what languages, you should use source control. And I don't care what kind you use. I'm not, I don't have strong opinions about that. I use Git. Um, I've used SVN before on the job. Um, you've got a lot of free options, and I suggest you pick one and get, get good at it. Um, I've, I've become pretty proficient with Git, so I like it. I like GitHub. I also like Bitbucket. Since GitHub started offering free unlimited repositories, I'm not super attached to Bitbucket anymore because that's the only reason I used that. Without spending any money, I could have private repositories and GitHub used to make you have public repositories if you didn't pay money. That's a whole thing on its own, but now they're they're pretty neck and neck. I'm, I'm, I actually lean towards GitHub because it's just cleaner and I like it. Anyway, this is that point where I start that repository because you basically need to capture every big change from here to the end of not just the, uh, not just the prototype, but the rest of the entire project. You need that tracked in your uh, source repository. It will save your life. So uh, not only do I do that uh, personally, because game development requires a lot of big files, I will set up Git LFS, which is large. I think it's large file storage. And uh, basically the gist of that. This is something else we've covered. Uh, our actual guests from Microsoft last year explained this pretty well on previous podcasts. But at a glimpse, if you are using Git LFS, you are basically... The problem with normal Git is it will store every version of your large you know, image files as, as you change them and stuff like that. And your repository becomes giant. It sucks up your entire hard drive and grows exponentially. You don't want that. Basically, with Git LFS... You're using a smart system that puts the brunt of that storage on your uh, repository provider. So GitHub or Bitbucket. 
and they will have certain limits on how much of that you can do, but you should take advantage of them because otherwise you have super unwieldy repositories and that get that gets in your way. So look up git LFS if you don't use that. Once you do that, as far as I'm concerned, you have setup complete. So you're ready to start working. And that's not really that bad to do what I would call a smart setup. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's fun to, to open Unity or Unreal or your favorite, um, you know, Atom, if you're uh, just, just doing some scripting or some coding and just start hacking around. Everybody loves that. I get it. But if you're doing something that might go long term, you've, you've got to do it in a smart and organized way. And the, the more you learn, the more times you go through a project that gets unorganized and gets messy right away, the more likely you are to go, yep, that was, that was true. The people who came before me were correct. I need to set this stuff up the right way. But so now your startup, your setup is done and you're ready to start working. And the way I do that is I'll go into Trello, my, uh, my task board. I will move one item from the to-do column to doing and I will do it. I'll just then then I go to work. Then I'm doing my development stuff. When I get that that one feature done, I will uh, do a commit in my source control system. I'll push it to the repository. I mean, okay, yeah, I will. I'll probably post on social media first. I mean, I and that's not bad. It's not bad to go and go. Hey, friends, here's what I'm working on today. That's good for marketing. It's good for your spirit. But then off to the repository in Trello. If you happen to use Trello and GitHub. And this, is, this was kind of the purpose of that post that I wrote on CodeWrite Play. If you happen to use Trello and GitHub, you can assign, which is basically just a link, a commit in GitHub to a task item in Trello. So you can go into your, you can like double click on your work item and go, uh, I finished the step where I needed basic animation. It is part of this commit in my repository. And you can save it that way. And then you can move that work item to done. And as you get this big, long list of things that are done, when you need to go back and see, like, what exactly happened when I revised the animation system, you can open that work item, see which commit that was, and that's very nice, right? So that's something I really like. And I was so excited about that, someone uh, accused me of being paid to say it. We'll talk about that at the end. But, uh, yeah, then I move an item to done, then I just go back to the to-do ca- column and uh, move the next item I need to work on to doing. That's it. Like, that's my whole process. From there, you, you just iterate through that list until you are done with the prototype. You know, the, the good thing about this tre- Trello or task board system, if you don't like Trello, I don't care. The nice thing about your, uh, your, your task board is as you find issues that you don't really want to stop to work on, like... My my current <laughs> my current project I'm working on for the Patreon group, um, so we can do tutorials and stuff like that. There's a weird virtual reality issue with Oculus integration in Unity, and the default setup. If you pick up an item and like move it too close to you and like downwards, so if say you grab something in virtual reality space and like get it close to where your stomach would be, it will in VR it will launch you like straight up in the air. And I mean, it'll shoot you like a bullet and it's the most disorienting and weird thing you can imagine. Some of you have probably seen it. You'll know what I'm talking about here, but it, it will yeet you <laughs> straight, straight into space. When I saw that the other day, I was working on that and I go, oh my God, I need to fix that. But it frustrated me because it's like, this is Oculus's fault. This is not really anything to do with me. I don't want to spend time on it right now. I've got posts to write. I've got podcasts to do. 
So I went into Trello. I opened a new work item. I said, uh, fix uh, yeet bug or whatever. And I moved on. And now I know I'm not going to get that prototype done without looking at that and going, oh, that's right. That's right. I got to fix that yeet bug. And so this, this keeps you organized during that, throughout that whole process. Something I wrote about in the, um, in the code, right play post was if you are using primarily Microsoft tools, which again, not something I feel strongly about either way. I've done Microsoft stuff. I've done other stuff. Don't care. If you happen to be using like visual studio, C sharp XNA or FNA, which is a branch of XNA, the Azure dev site has actually a pretty cool dashboard you can use to organize projects. So say you log into that and it's it's free to do that and it's free to even start with Azure completely. You can go in there, set yourself up as a developer and you can start a project. You can assign multiple repositories to a project. So in my case, I started a project in XNA went in there and worked in it for a while and I go, oh my God, I talked to our friend Michael Hicks who goes, dude, you need to check out FNA, which is funny to say, FNA. But he goes, yeah, it's got the following benefits and if you're working strictly on PC, it's a great thing to do. So I did that. I started a new repository which was connected to that same project. I don't know of any other way to do that and and keep everything organized. Um, I moved code over from one place to the other very efficiently. That was nice. It's got Trello integration. It's got... uh, a wiki tool that you can create your own wiki. And if it's the kind of thing where you might bring in help in the future, first of all, that design document, that's another big design document benefit. If you're going to grow your team at some point, you can bring people up to speed very fast by uh, showing them a design doc or, um, you know, showing them your task board. And especially if you take that time to create a wiki for your own project, you have to decide how much of that you really want to do. But that dev site has crazy cool tools. I really like that. I'm not getting jack from anyone to say that. I just happen to like it if you're working in Microsoft tools already. So when I put together a post in the past about this and I, I just said, Hey friends, this is, this is how I do my thing. I post on Twitter. Like I always do. Cause it's a good idea. So, Hey, I wrote a post about the following. It's uh, it's got stuff to do with GitHub and Trello and just things I like to use. Our buddy, Paul Nicholas shared it for me like a good friend. He's a very nice guy. I need to have him back on the podcast. He's done some really interesting stuff since we've last talked to him. But um, he he just <laughs> he shared it, and somebody commented on his tweet, which I had no business going to look at those comments. This is a stupid activity for me. But um, he's nice, and I think a lot of his friends are probably nice. This guy was not nice that day. He's like, oh, this guy's a shill. He's being paid by Jira, or he's being paid by Atlassian or whatever. And uh, yeah, it must be nice. And that's the only reason he thinks that. And I saw that. Oh, I'm not I'm not heated about that anymore. I was mad at the time because it, there was an irony to this. To, to understand the irony, you have to understand that I've run CodeWrite Play for years now, a couple of years at least. And in that time, like it's gotten an OK amount of traffic and people have come to me and offered me stuff like this. They've offered to say like, we will pay you the following amount of money. If you basically agree to let us send you a post, we will write something for the, uh, for your website and you just put it up. No questions asked. You don't get to edit whatever. Uh, it's going to say that you approve of these, uh, project or this product and you will just put that up and we'll pay you. And that'll be that. And every time I've said, no, I've said, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to happen. So yeah, I've, I've received a bunch of financial offers for things on code, right play. And it's not that I'm like 
Mr. Ethics or Mr. Integrity or anything, but that's just not what I want to do with the site. I put that site together because I have thoughts and I have opinions about stuff, and that's what I want to present. And maybe that's good or maybe that's bad, but it's going to be good or bad because I said it. So (laughs) I told that guy in no uncertain terms, uh, that's an absurd accusation to make. You have no idea what you're talking about, and it's extremely untrue, and I don't appreciate developing a reputation for that when I already didn't do it. So I don't have the money, and now I don't have the reputation. Could you please find out what the hell you're talking about before you say stuff like that? And uh, I, I tried to keep my cool, but to that guy's credit, he came back and he was like, hey, you know, uh, you're right. I didn't, I didn't know what I was talking about. That was a bad call. Clearly not the case. And uh, he was nice enough. But on the other hand, like that's how much I like some of the tools I've, I've mentioned here today. So I will link to um, the article that I wrote. I will uh, put together these show notes, of course. And seriously, I, I would love to hear uh, about anyone else's process or what you would add to my process. Like, I love talking about this stuff because I, I don't think there are, I mean, there there are probably some practices that are objectively bad, but I, I do think there's a whole lot of runway for people to do different things and handle things differently in ways that will still lead to, like, very successful results. So... I don't think anybody should feel bad about their process or no process. This is how I tackle it. Jump in, let me know what I missed or what uh, what you like to do differently. So that is that. That uh, Patreon project we're doing at patreon.com slash codewriteplay. That is a VR arcade shooter prototype that I'm working on. So if you think about like Virtua Cop, but you're dropped inside it because you're in VR, And I still want to try to strive for, like, the low-poly action and sort of the goofy, like, old-school, like, retro bad guys and explosions and stuff. Like, I want to try to get as close to that as I can, but I'm very excited about the prospect of making a game that way. Games for the Oculus Quest have to go through an approval process you may know about. I would even love to make content about that. So right now I'm making content about what I'm going through to make that project. I'm, I'm making that Patreon exclusive for right now. They're also going to be getting an exclusive uh, podcast episode this month. It's just it's a community where we do stuff and and I put out you know extra content or whatever. So uh, check that out if you're interested. If you're not, uh, you know, fine. But uh, I think it would be fun to actually get through that prototype, try to flesh it out, and create an actual game with it, and you know, sort of journal the process of going trying to go through Oculus approval and launching launching a game there because it's all new stuff. And people don't know about it. And people seem very interested in it. And I am too. And uh, that's something I may be working on in the future. So that was my topic for tonight. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Let me know what you think. If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, would love if you would subscribe. Would love if you would follow along. Yeah, show it to anybody who might be into that kind of thing. Uh, We always appreciate ratings and reviews. We just went up on podchaser.com, which is a new place you can find us. Needless to say, you can find us at uh, Patreon or at CodeWritePlay.com. Always doing cool stuff. I am going to be talking to more guests very soon, just trying to get my own schedule in uh, shape, and then we'll do more uh, interview episodes as well. So uh, get in touch. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, and I will talk to you guys real soon. Take care.